Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hi, and welcome back to The Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. During a recent episode of The Big Podcast with Shaq, the ex-NBA star had on Jason Kelsey, who is retiring from NFL football after playing for the stinky Philadelphia Eagles. Sorry, I'm a Cowboys fan. I had to include that. Jason Kelsey is married to Kylie Kelsey, and the two have been in the public eye more often recently since Jason's brother Travis started dating Taylor Swift and a lot more interest into the Kelsey family and their podcast and everything. So we kind of know a little bit about the relationship. On Shaq's show, Shaq was talking about his own retirement, and he told Jason, quote, I made a lot of dumbass mistakes to where I lost my family and didn't have anyone. I was an idiot. I lost my whole family. I'm in a 100,000 square foot house by myself, end quote. I, of course, clicked on the comments under the clips of these comments that he made on his show, and they were generally saying that Shaq cheated on his wife with like hundreds of women and destroyed their relationship. I assume that's true, and I assume that that's what Shaq means by the mistakes he's made. I've seen such an uptick in podcasts and just general kind of clips and information aimed at men telling them that if they're on the path to making money, then they'd be suckers to settle down with just one woman. It's such bad advice. And everyone knows that like one loser bro who insists that men are only as faithful as their options, implying that men with money should get to cheat and any man not cheating just doesn't have the opportunity. That guy is sad. Don't be like that guy. What Shaq is saying is that you can have all the money, but if you throw away your family along the way, then it will not have been worth it. And you know, that's like the most obvious advice ever. The image of him in his 10,000 square foot house alone is actually really depressing. There's this trope that if you're rich and you're sad, then you could just dry your tears with your money. Well, here's an incredibly wealthy man issuing a warning to another man 
to not end up in his same situation. And he seemed to be specifically telling Jason Kelsey this because when Jason retires and suddenly has a lot of time on his hands, not practicing, not playing, maybe Shaq understands that times of change like that can make a wealthy man more susceptible to making mistakes or being put in situations where those mistakes are more likely. I think it's interesting to think about the times in your life where something could trigger you to feel, you know, unsettled or uncomfortable in your life. If you get used to doing something like having a career and then you don't have it, that can definitely leave you susceptible to maybe acting out. For the average person, when you're going through a time of change, whether moving, like we've talked about on the show, or your kids leaving the house or making any big changes to your life, I think it's smart advice to be extra careful about what you're doing and who you're doing it with. You don't want to be like Shaq alone in his 10,000 square foot house. Coming up next, an interview with Nancy Rommelman. Join us after the break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. My guest today is Nancy Rommelman. Nancy is a journalist who writes for such publications as Reason and the Free Press, as well as writing the Substack Make More Pie and co-host of the podcast Smoke Em If You Got Em. Hi, Nancy. Good morning, Carol. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I have to say that 
we talk on this show a lot about making friends, especially after moves, because so many people have moved in the last few years, you know, the great migration. And you moved from Portland to New York. What year was that? Uh, July, 2019. 2019. I knew it was pre-pandemic, which is rare because most of these big moves are happening, you know, during the pandemic. Right. And you, you know, you already had a lot of friends in New York, but you have this amazing social gravitational pull. I just see you as this like warm, welcoming person who everyone wants to be around. Like whenever I see you, I smile. How do you do that? How do you help other people do that? This is very funny because when we were talking about the questions you're going to ask um, that you like to ask your guests, um, I will I will say that one thing is that I love to cook and mm-hmm. it's not so fun to just cook for yourself. So you you wind up opening your home, but also I just like it. And people like to not just be on their computers. You want to meet new people. You don't want to know what's happening all the time. And um, when I got this little place, I had moved from Portland where I had like a, you know, a four bedroom house with a garage Mm -hmm. and the whole kind of thing to all of a sudden this little place in Chinatown. And it was just super fun to build it out and build a sound studio and have people in. And then, as you know, because you were here a few times Mm -hmm. during the pandemic, you know, we all kind of went into our houses for about eight weeks. And then I was like, no, we're having, we're going to have people over for lunch. We're just going to do it. And I was back and Mm -hmm. forth between reporting on the riots in Portland. But when I was home, I was like, let's just, let's just open the doors. And people really needed it. And um, we just never stopped. Yeah. Yeah. I was at a party at your house in June, 2021. So still, you know, pretty pandemic-y. It was amazing. And we like, we had, my husband and I were there and it was just this amazing party. Um, And then like some friends of ours who like aren't in our, you know, writer political world um, texted and they're like, Hey, we're out in the city. Are you guys around? And I was like, Oh, we're at this party, you know, come by. And they still talk about your party. They're still like that party, you know, June, 2021, just to amazing, amazing time. It was, it was something that people really weren't doing. And again, I just think you have this ability to bring people together. Like, do you have any advice for people on how to be, I mean, other than learn how to cook, like, how do you, how do you navigate having people like, you know, how do you attract people to you the way you do? What's tell, tell us everything. My secret sauce. <laughs> What's your secret? No, I, I think I just really like having people around and also being able to connect people. I mean, you know this when we've been at parties here. It's not like everybody has the same opinions or they come from the same world at all. And you sort of put them in the super collider and then you're just all enjoying each other. And first of all, first of all, tell your friends they're welcome back anytime. They remember (laughs) the address. And I I don't know. I think especially we may have noticed this more, Carol, because Mm -hmm. it was so stark during the pandemic. I remember when I first started to have the lunches here, I think it was August 2020, which, you know, still really in the thick of things. Right. It was so funny. People would creep in here like they had not left their house in three mm-hmm. months. And then they remembered, oh, we really, yeah. re- really need this and really want this. I just like doing it. I had people here the other day. Um, it was the Super Bowl. We're about have six or eight people. I invited a friend of mine who's in a play right here. And he's like, well, I can't come, but the whole cast wants to come. I'm like, sure. <laughs> like, I had eight people I'd never met here for the Super Bowl. And it was great. It was mm-hmm. great. So yeah, I just cook it. a lot. So how did you become a writer? What was your path to it? So I moved to Los Angeles from New York City, where I'm from, uh, when I was 24. And I had a baby not that long after. And at the time, I'd gone to LA to be a movie star, as I'm sure you can guess. And uh, 
I started um, reading scripts for a living when I was pregnant, which is like you'd go, uh, Julia Roberts' agent would give you a script and you could read it and do a summation and then recommend it or not. And I got really fast at it and I could do it at home. And I knew I wanted to be home with my kid. Plus, we didn't have any money. It wasn't like I was going to hire someone to raise my kid. Right. And then that segued into journalism. And by the time I was 30, I never had another job. Um, it was also, you know, it was the 90s. There was a lot of money in you. Mm-hmm. You could make money pretty easily. You could write for a ton of places. And I just, it turned out I was good at it and I loved it. And I've never, I knew the minute I did my first article, Carol, which was a mm-hmm. like 500 word piece on genital piercing, which is so weird, oh, whatever where, it was the where, 90s. Where was that published? Okay. So <laughs> it was this lad magazine called um, Bikini, which was also mm. part of Ray Gun. Maybe this is a billion years ago. But anyway, um, they sent me to do this article about genital, this salon. I'm like, well, okay, I'll right, go to this place in Los Angeles. I'm talking <laughs> to these people. This couple walks in. They're like, you know, mm. in their 20s. And they said they were getting their engagement rings or wedding rings. And I was like, well, what are you going to do when people ask to see them? And she's like, well, we'll show them. And I was like, that's it. I'm mm. never having another job. That's it. Like, this, this is, is magic. And, yeah. um, and I never have. I've never had another job. So do you feel like you've made it? I think it depends on the week. You know, um, sometimes you have really good weeks. I can't remember what the exact expression, ex- expression, ex- expression is. It's like, you know, writing is no fun and, or, or, or not writing is no fun, but having written is the best feeling. Oh, so when yeah. you oh, see, you know, uh-huh. I you, know. Yeah. You finish that piece and you just can, you can dine out on it for a matter of hours or even days, but then it's mm-hmm. like the gas runs out of tank and you just gotta, you just have to keep working. Um, yeah. Sometimes you feel great. You have a book that's published or you, you do a story that really moves people and then you communicate with them. And then that leads to the next article and you can feel really good. But then when you're not having written for a little while, you, you just feel crappy and like, have I made it? I don't know. Um, yeah. So yeah, that feeling yeah. of publishing. I mean, yeah. when I published in the post, for example, I used to just do, it would be Mondays. So Sunday night it would hit the internet and I like Sunday night I'd be refreshing. And yeah. you know, it was years in, it wasn't like my first or my 10th or my 50th article at that point. It was years and years and years. And I still like loved it so much. And I, I, I totally get that feeling. And I have to say, I, I think I avoid places. I, I avoid writing for places where I don't know when it's going to run because I'm like, no, I need, I need to know. Oh. I need to know when I'm going to get that boost of like happiness that my piece is out there. And um, yeah, it's, when it's you're work, funny. working on a piece for a while and your editor, like, when is it going to run? Hello? Yeah. Hello? I wrote right. um, book reviews for a long time for the Wall Street Journal and they have a fantastic Saturday section. They, and yeah. I, mm-hmm. every time I'd be like, I have a piece of the journal. My husband would be yeah. like, yeah, I know, babe. I had one two weeks ago. <laughs> Just like, like last Saturday. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's Saturday a newspaper. It's so a great, good. it's a great section. It's a great yeah. section. So if you weren't doing this, if you needed a plan B, what would it be? Mm, probably work as a baker. I, I mm. had worked as a baker, like when I first went to LA. And then when my husband had a series of coffee shops, I baked for his coffee shops for about a year. Um, but I really just bake for pleasure. So I don't know if I want to do it as a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I always thought this is going to sound so ridiculous. When I go to the pharmacy and get my, like, get a prescription filled, and I always watch the farm, and it's so organized and clean. Mm. And I was like, that wouldn't be a bad gig. Yeah. Working no, as a I, pharmacist. I don't think that sounds ridiculous at all. Yeah. My plan B is I think I'd be a really good DJ. 
So, so you know, I, it's yeah. dream big on this show is yes. really, you know, what it's all about. You want to be a pharmacist back there with your clean, organized world, like organizing everything. I, I see it. I could, you know, I am very, I need things orderly. Yeah. Can't have things. Yeah. I feel like chaos. yours requires a lot more school than mine though. My plan B. Yeah. You could just do it tonight, girl. Right. I could yeah, really I'll get everybody dancing. And that's yeah. really, I feel like I could, I, I, I think I could just organize music well. Like I could like, I know what people want to hear next if they're happy, you know. I have music, zero so. skills in that area. So I'm coming. <laughs> cool. I love it. We're going to take a quick break and be right back on the Carol Markowitz Show. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So you recently went to Israel, which uh, seemed like an amazing trip. How was it? As you know, Israel's complicated. It's always a complicated place. And then to drop in when they have, um, I was on the Bill Schultz show yesterday and I, and I compared it to be getting kicked in the heart. Mm. They, not, not just the emotional stuff, but they, they really have to have a real reset in um, how they think about how of their own survival, of their government, of the military. And I, it was a difficult trip in terms of the people I hung out with. I hung out um, for four days at the um, missing hostages and families forum. Mm. These are, I'm talking to mothers whose children are still in Gaza and they're still there now. Um, yeah. This is not easy. However, um, that piece ran in reason. Uh, to see how the country pulled together after October 7th, you know, especially in light of the fact that for the past, you know, 14 months, they had rebelling, been rebelling against mm -hmm. their own government is pretty amazing. And you realize what is baked into the Israeli psyche is that they need to save, save their own lives. They're never going right. back. 
to what it used to yeah. be ever. That's not going to happen. And so to be around that is, is, is pretty amazing. One thing I also love about being in Israel, especially in Tel Aviv, is this constant, everybody looks you in the eye. Everyone wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And there's just this incredible energy going on. I feel on like that might just be you, but okay. <laughs> no, I no, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I, I love Israelis. I'm married to an Israeli. Yeah. I, you know, I have a lot of Israeli friends. I would not say that they are extra friendly. <laughs> well, I don't know if friendly is the word. They're very um very willing to be confrontational. How's that? Right. Like right. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Very willing to be confrontational. <laughs> Was that a euphemism? Yeah. No. No, no. No. I you know, I had a I had an Israeli friend say to me something like, you know, the trans insanity that we're going through in America could never happen in Israel because they'd be like, no, what are you crazy? No. Like, you know, no, no biological boys can play in girl sports next. Like they just, yeah. they're, they're not polite. To, they're not polite no. enough to be like, well, I don't know. Let me think about your feelings. Like, no, you know, no, no. they're, they're all, they're, they're like New Yorkers that way. It's like, yeah, yeah whatever. We're just like, no, we're just getting onto the next topic here. We're not going to fool around right. with this. So yeah. Except I feel like New Yorkers have like slid off of that a little bit in the last, I mean, the, the <sighs> pandemic, you know, obviously crushed my yeah. feelings on badass New Yorkers standing up for it, but you know, and I have definitely concerns about the migrant situation and the fact that New Yorkers are not like kind of fighting back on it. Like, you know, uh, people are suffering in the city and, and yet like you know, this, people who are coming here illegally get all this free stuff. And it, it's it's hard for me to watch New Yorkers just roll over, especially the pandemic was was really the, the, the that point for me. It was, I don't think, you know, Israelis would necessarily. I mean, they kind of did also. So I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Yeah, New York was a was a strange place. I was traveling a lot during the pandemic because I was covering the um the situation in Portland. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised as a, you know, born and bred New Yorker at um how sort of obedient people were. Yeah, complacent, I, like the complacency. Yeah. Was just... I remember taking off my mask. I don't remember the exact date, but it was definitely before we were allowed to, and I'm like, oh, "Screw yeah. it. I'm right. not I'm not doing it." Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Get some dirty yeah. looks on the subway. I don't care. Right. Was it your first trip to Israel? My second. So you may recall back in um, November 2023, no, 2022. The reason crew went. Yeah. Well, not really the reason so much. It was the Israeli uh, consulate here took over a bunch of journalists. It was Matt Welch, Michael Moynihan, me, Colin Hughes. The reason crew is what I... Well, kind of, yeah. (laughs) And um, we um, we all went over Uh on their dime, um, Mm -hmm. but zero obligation. And I went over early with, um, and they've talked about it at this point, so it's no, I'm not, mm-hmm. uh, with Lee Fang and Jesse Single. And we toured around with Bit Salem, very left wing group, mm-hmm. which was actually really smart to do because Israel is a complicated country. <clears throat> they don't yeah. all agree. So mm-hmm. you can kind of get a sense. And um, I was in Hebron at that point and I was back in Hebron this trip. Mm-hmm. And that is a weird place as you may or may not know. Yeah. Very, very strange. So, so what was strange about it for people who may not? Well, so it's cut in, it's split in two. You've got H1 and H2 and H1, and I'm hopefully I'm not swapping these. H1 is where it's all Palestinian, right? You Mm -hmm. live there, there's economy, you walk in, beep, 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 clothes, Turkish coffee. It's just like a busy, busy, you know, you could be in Mexico City or something. Mm -hmm. Though it's also sort of depressed because it's isolated and it's surrounded and you have to like get in and out of checkpoints that are run by the Israeli military and certain things Mm -hmm. were closed down, but it's still very vibrant. You cross over to the other side 
and everything is boarded up and sealed up. Mm. All the buildings, there's nothing. It's, it's truly ghosty. It's looked over by the Israeli military. If you are Palestinian, you can live there, but you can't have a car. So mm. you can't really get any place unless you cross into H1, which is easy. Oh, but then getting out, that's, that's kind of up to the two Israeli guards mm. that are at the gate. Mm -hmm. So maybe they wait you, you wait three minutes, maybe you wait three hours in the rain with your kids. Right. It's, it's weird. It's messed up. And there's reasons I hung out with a Palestinian activist. I hung out with settlers and they can both tell you, right. They all want the same thing, but they see it from different ends of the tube. And mm -hmm. frankly, they both have points. They yeah. both have points. So that's an interesting piece that I have to get to. I have to write. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't wait to read it. Um, do you feel like you, you know, you're talking about like Israeli unity uh, right now, you know, the post-October 7th moment. Um, do you feel like America can ever get to a similar place of unity? Like, I don't feel like a terrorist attack like that would unite us. I don't think, I, I feel like, I, I don't know if those days are even possible. The post 9-11 unity, for example, I don't think we could ever do that again. I think that something happened around 20. 15, 2016, um, mm -hmm. when, uh, when Trump was still the nominee, people, um, kind of lost their minds on both sides. You yeah. had the mm -hmm. Trump derangement syndrome, and then you had the Trump epiphanic love affair. You know, I, I see the portraits of Trump as Jesus and I'm like, hi everyone, maybe <laughs> stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, okay. and we, it just split people so intensely and everybody believes not only that they're right, but that the other side is driving this country into hell. Mm -hmm. I think I, you know, I don't belong to any of either of these tribes. And as a journalist who absolutely adores getting in my car and driving around this country and talking to people in Texas, in Kansas, in Oklahoma, in New York state, you know, most people are pretty awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you voted for. They're like really pretty great. And we really do. I truly believe we agree on more than we disagree on, but it just doesn't seem to pay whether it's our media institutions screaming at us or it's us believing. I mean, I, I will say one of the people I love most in the world, if he were not an emergency room physician for children, he would be mm -hmm. a priest. Okay. He once said to me that he could never be friends with someone that voted for Trump. And I'm like, guess what? You already are. Wow. Not meaning me, but yeah, no, I know. You, I, oh, you I know. don't, I know not meaning you, right. <laughs> right. but it's like, you don't say that. Do not yeah. say that about your fellow Americans. And that right. bums me out because I love America. Mm -hmm. And I believe God, I like actually got chills saying that. And I believe almost everybody in this country does love America. And that means you should be talking to your neighbors and you should be looking for the stuff that really matters, not stuff to fight about. What would you say is our largest cultural or societal problem? You mean besides not listening to each other? Besides being really- <laughs> It could be not listening to yeah, each other. not listening, yeah. but also being addicted to the sense that we're right. I mean, people, mm. I, I, there was something on, I, I've written about, a lot about Portland, Oregon, which really drove itself into the ground by making some really stupid decisions in 2020. And downstream, it should have been obvious to any grown up that there were going to be really bad repercussions. But I, I wrote today on Twitter, like the elixir of believing you are right is really super mm. sweet, man. You get addicted to that taste. And I, you know, go try something else at the soda fountain. Right.
Do you think Portland could come back? Like, I know you love Portland, right? Am I, am I well, right that you have like a affection for it? No, I because it does seem like when you write about it, it's not like ha ha, you suck. You know, absolutely <laughs> it, it, not. It's, it's very like you you care about them and you want them to be better and you don't want it to fall apart. At least that's how I'm reading you. I don't Portland. I I lived there from t- 2004 to 2018, and I watched Portland do some really really cool things. Things that mm-hmm. could not be done in a city where it was more expensive, where it was more like like a, even a little more urban or less urban. Like they really, it was a really interesting experiment. And then they screwed it up. They've screwed it up in a lot of ways. Um, however, it's still beautiful. It is such a beautiful city and it's a breadbasket mm-hmm. and the region is great. I would hope that they can come back, but they really ding themselves. And financially, they just are, they're really seeing some problems. And we've seen the problems with, with Measure 110, which decriminalized drugs. They really have some work to do. Um, I can be hopeful. I'm an optimist. Mm-hmm. So let's see. I was recently reading. Um... Blake Nelson, the writer mm-hmm. who you went mm-hmm. to college with, mm-hmm. what was your yes. connection? Yes. Um, so yeah. I love him. Like yeah. He's, you know, so like his books when I was uh, in my late teens, early twenties, I was just such mm-hmm. a huge fan and I happened to meet him in New York. And, um, but he recently wrote this whole thing about Portland and it was, I just love reading about old Portland. I guess that's the same feeling. I mean, it might, it definitely has some connection to how I feel about New York and how it used to be. Um, but he wrote this whole thing and it was just Portland sounds so exciting. And in the piece, he talks about sleeping with Courtney Love, which is like, oh, okay, that's Ooh, news. Yeah. <laughs> she has a bit of a reputation there and in, uh, and also in, uh, in LA. Hey, uh, question for you. Yeah. Do you miss New York? Um, like I do, but when I'm there, I'm not like, oh, I miss this place. I miss the New York that I feel like it used to be. Like I, the pandemic really broke New York. I don't know if and when it will recover. It hasn't recovered. I mean, by like a lot of the measures. Um, but it really hurt me to see that, that complacent rule following New Yorker that I always thought would be like badass and thinking for themselves and... Um, a lot of people left, like a lot of my native New Yorkers left because they like couldn't take it anymore. Um, and it's just, it's hard to watch, but in the same way that I think you root for Portland, I root for New York. I want to see it revived. I want to see that city that I loved so much back. Um, but when I'm in town, I'm like, I'm a genius. I like, I got, you know, I got my kids out of this. Like I, it's just, yeah. I guess, you know, we record this in advance, but there was a snow day and New Yorkers <laughs> were forced to do remote learning with their kids because, you know, they discovered remote learning the during the yeah. pandemic and now they want to implement it whenever possible. But like the New York I know would have just had a snow day and had a, you know, the kids would play in the snow and it would be amazing and magical and there'd be hot chocolate involved. But now they have to like get on Zoom because somebody's bad idea. And that's a, a small bad idea, but it's still a bad idea. It's and a terrible idea. It's sad. Also- this, yeah. That was yesterday, the snow day. I was out because I had to go record Midtown. Mm-hmm. The snow was just wet slush by 1030 <laughs> in the morning. So it right. didn't stick. No, that, yeah. that, that that is true. I mean, it just put your boots on, kids. Just that yeah. it's not, it's like, not. I don't want to be like in my day, but literally in my day, we would have, you know, two feet of snow and go to school. It, it would have to be a serious yeah. snow yeah, storm. Yeah, yeah. Or if we were having off, nobody would be expected to still do busy work. And it just, 
It's it's hard. I miss the restaurants a lot. I obviously miss my family. I, I should reverse those. I miss my family first, and then I miss the restaurants. Because um, no matter what anybody says, I, there's no food scene like the New York food yeah. scene. Like yeah. you know, I I could tell you specifically, I miss Thai diner very much. I miss my friend's restaurant, Miriam, very much. Um, you know, we just don't have that in South Florida. Uh, I will say, you know, I live in Dime Square, that area of Chinatown, mm-hmm. which never, I, it never closed. I remember during the pandemic, the New York Post was running a weekly, like, look at the terrible things that have happened to my yeah. neighborhood. And they asked mm-hmm. me to write one. I was like, can I write that? It's kind of cool down here. He's like, okay. <laughs> it, it never really went under. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Midtown, boy, it, Midtown is still, is still struggling. Yeah. It's sad. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the outer boroughs, I think, are still like not back. Like a lot of things closed and just never reopened. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, bums me out. But, yeah. you know, New York has to keep moving forward. I hope it catches, you know, its breath and then it improves itself again. I have high hopes. I, you know, I don't want to hate it. I want to be able to visit and see my family and, and be like, oh, this place is amazing. Look at it come back. So good. Um, I, don't, I definitely don't root against it. And I want to come to Florida. Yeah, I think you <laughs> definitely, definitely deserve some Florida time. Yes. So I love talking to you. You're, you know, one of my favorite people. Um, end here with your best tip for my listeners on how they can improve their lives. I think my best tip, we kind of started with it. I mean, if you're not going to cook for a bunch of people, which is sort of my secret sauce, I would say both initiate and attend social events. I remember being, I can't remember what it was. I do a lot of traveling and sometimes to tough places for work. And I came back from someplace recently. I don't think it was Israel. And I was, I found it so necessary to go out and see people, whether it was a drink at a bar, a dinner yeah. at someone's house. Someone says, come to Shabbat. I'm like, yes, I'm coming. Right. You, you need to cycle all of this stuff through and share it. And it just, it just grows. I mean, your world, it grows. And then you wind up giving it away to the next group. So that would be my, that's my best advice. I love that. Thank you so much, Nancy Rommelman. Loved having you on. Where can people read you? Oh, um, you can go to my Substack, which is Make More Pie. You can go listen to my um, podcast with Sarah Heppola called Smoke Em If You Got Em. And my work runs in the free press. It runs in Reason and, and, and Real Clear Investigations and other places. And I would love to see you there. Stay in touch. Thank you so much, Nancy. Thanks so much for joining us on The Carol Markowitz Show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.